Everyone knows that putting money aside in savings is really important. But then what? Should you keep your savings locked in a CD for a higher rate or keep them liquid in a money market? Can your checking account help you save too? Or is it about creating the right combination? We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk about the savings options that are right for you. Learn more at sandyspringbank.com. Member FDIC. This episode of Blue Church Breakaway is brought to you by you, the listener, for real. Patreon.com slash Blue Church Breakaway. You hear me say it enough. That's how we keep the show going. Patreon.com slash Blue Church Breakaway is where BSBOT happens and all the good stuff on our Discord. Uh, we do newsletters, etc. Tons of nonsense. And uh, the summer of anything is possible is happening now. So please support the show. Today we have Vince Procogliano on. He gives us a lot of nice little tidbits. I know that it's like dead silent right now, but we talk a lot. At one point I say Kako should be traded. I don't really mean it. I, I just was in the moment. I got frustrated. Okay, you'll understand when you listen to it. It's called a teaser. Uh, but anyway, enjoy the show. We have a lot going on. Playoffs, Vince, a couple five-star questions. Here we go. Here's Mark Messier. Hi, everybody. It's Mark Messier, and you're listening to Blue Shirts Breakaway, the number one Rangers podcast. Hey, Blue Breakaway fans, welcome to the week of the Blue Breakaway. I am your host, Ryan Mita of patreon.com slash Blue Breakaway, where you can support this wonderful podcast. And I'm with my co-host, also of the same website, Greg Kaplan. Greg, say hello. No. Okay. I refuse. Well, well, well all right. Instead, give me your no. package for McDavid. I'll start. Woo. Okay. Oh, boy. Uh, Lafreniere and Kako, I'll drive him to the airport. Two first, Niels and Kravstov. Get it done? Boy, uh, the answer. This is this is the legitimate Mike Trout question, where it doesn't matter how many prospects I put together, it's not enough. Like I felt dirty uh, saying what I just told you, <laughs> like extremely dirty. But I also think like it might not be enough. No, I don't think there's any combination of players that justify trading away Connor McDavid. It 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 doesn't exist. Now that doesn't mean it's not going to happen. Uh, oh we, God, this isn't going to be a good episode. <laughs> we. I, there is no, let me put it this way, Ryan. There is no package of New York Ranger players that I would balk at to acquire Connor McDavid. I include Adam Fox, Adam Fox and Artemi Panarin in that. I agree. Not that Artemi Panarin has a, uh, a way to be moved because he has no trade move, uh, no, no movement clause rather, but I wouldn't, I would include him also. Doesn't matter. I'll, I'll also, I'll also say this. I have decided that the absolute best case scenario for every single one of my Canadian hockey sucked this year take to be justified. Yes. Is the Jets sweep the Oilers mm-hmm. and then the Jets sweep the Leafs. Because that <laughs> that accomplishes that accomplishes the McDavid. McDavid wants out. Right. Drysidle wants out. Carey Price is a fraud. And the Leafs are a fraud. All in one swoop. Boy. That does check everything off, like, super checks every It checks every box. You ready for my Ranger take for this? I've no. been sitting on this one. I've been waiting. McDavid actually losing in the playoffs. Now, do I think McDavid will rumor, go rumor to New York? No, I do not. Uh, is there a chance? Sure. Uh, anything's possible, right? It's the, it's the summer of anything is possible. But in this situation, 
If McDavid does get swept out of the playoffs right now, he's down 3 nothing after an incredible comeback by the Jets. They were up 4-1. The Orioles were up 4-1. Jets came back 4-4-1 in overtime. This, this, is, this is the other thing. It, it toes the line between was that a comeback or was that a collapse? Because I got to tell you, it seems more like a collapse. I think it was a collapse. And yeah. uh, I don't know if you saw the dry sidle quote from after the game. He's like, when you oh, score, oh, when you score four, when you goals, score four you goals, win. you're supposed to win a playoff yeah. game. <laughs> like, yeah, bud. <laughs> uh, I love, I love the Oilers so much. I'm laughing so hard; it's making me cough. I love the Oilers so much because, oh, just God. like the Los Angeles Angels, it's not that hard to figure out what you have to do to support your best player. It's goaltending isn't that hard to find. It, the Oilers really are the only team that's like, boy, can't quite figure out this riddle, can we? Well, it's it's the defense, too. Like, they didn't add anybody. How do you not add someone when you are have a caliber of, of – it's not just McDavid on your team. You have Drysaddle, too. Like, you have two of the top five players in the league. I don't even think that's arguable. Like, I don't – the defense isn't the problem. It, it really is the fact that outside of Drysaddle, McDavid, and Nugent Hopkins, they don't have forwards. And then they – it doesn't matter what your defense Puyari, is doing. You don't have a goalie. He's good, but yeah, I, I, I'm I'm still lukewarm on Puyarvi. He, he's fine. Not that I've watched like a lot of Puyarvi this year, but I know he's no. But they there's no forward depth, and there's no goalie. They they just they ha- they don't have a damn clue. They don't have a damn clue. So here's how this helps the Rangers. Okay, Jack Eichel went nuclear in Buffalo. We, we can all agree the leverage is there for him to get out. New York Rangers are still the favorite to land Jack Eichel as of um, May 24th. If and if Mr. Connor McDavid goes absolutely nuclear on the Oilers, maybe has a bad exit meeting and has one of these press conferences where it says things have to change or I want out, don't you feel like the Rangers can leverage that in their position with Eichel and the Buffalo Sabres to be like, well, actually, we're going to try and go for McDavid instead of Eichel, so we want to lower the package. Don't you feel like that grants them even more leverage? Yeah. Again, whatever could go wrong for the Buffalo Sabres will go wrong. That's that's just a – I don't know if you're familiar with Isaac Newton. He had four losses. Yes. He actually had a fifth, <laughs> which was if anything could possibly go wrong involving the Buffalo Sabres, it will indeed go wrong. It was right after the whole Mr. Newton. every reaction has an equal and opposite reaction type right. mumbo-jumbo. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I – boy, wouldn't it just be great? Just be great for the National Hockey League if the Oilers capitulate to a point where they have to – where McDavid wants out. And by the way, real convenient day for that two-year-old quote um, from Elliot Freeman start floating around about Really how convenient, isn't it? Hmm. McDavid in 2019 said, "You got two years to figure this shit out." And two years from 2019 is 2021. I'm gonna I'm gonna like, find the hockey stat liner tweet out. that I loved uh, from earlier today with the the Mika uh, contract extension. Let me find that real quick. Um, while you're finding that, mm-hmm. best case scenario for the NHL, the New York Rangers Here rescue Jack Eichel on the cheap. They from the Buffalo Sabers for nothing. <laughs> Sabers get fucked. Meanwhile, over in Los Angeles, the Kings, for the second time in 30 years, take the chosen one from the Edmonton Oilers and make (laughs) hockey relevant in the United States of America. It's possible. It is. I I think that would just be fantastic. 
I obviously would prefer, like, if you're a Ranger fan out there, you're like, well, I'd rather have McDavid. Like, yeah, of course. Yeah, no shit, <laughs> no shit guys. Uh, guess here... what? Rangers, the Rangers did okay getting Messier and not Gretzky. That's all I'm saying. And they got Gretzky eventually anyway. Not that it mattered. Yeah, much. so we'll get, we'll, get, we'll get Eichel, who's Messier. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll win our cup. We'll have a good run. And then five years from that, when McDavid is done playing for the Kings, the Blues, and whatever <laughs> Six that other else, franchises, yeah. Yeah. He'll come to New York and be like, this is where I'm going to end my career. Yep. Here's the hockey stat miner. Uh, he quotes what he would say. Not so much trade concept as another log to throw on the fire. Both Eichel and McDavid have their full no-move clauses kicking in in exactly 57.5 weeks. The same days that Benajad and Strom are, to beco- are set to become unrestricted free agents. Do with this what you will. Yeah, I'm not saying that the Rangers can't trade for both, but I'm also saying that the Rangers can trade for both. <laughs> Gregory, uh, listen, I know this is off-season nonsense, but I have to tell you, if the Rangers in 2023 are starting a lineup with Eichel and 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 McDavid, and they've kept any semblance of the roster they have now, if, if they've somehow kept, because like, to me, there's no way they do that without getting rid of Lafreniere and Kako. But let's say they just kept one. Let's say they kept one and somehow kept Adam Fox and Panarin. My man, we are cooking. Yeah, no shit they're cooking. <laughs> yeah, if the Rangers are able to get Jack Eichel and Connor McDavid while yeah. also keeping two of their best prospects, I think they're going to be great. Yeah, no shit, Ryan. I know, you but... You want me to sit here and well, say the Panarin thing. The Panarin thing, well, obviously they couldn't trade him with the no move con- movement clause, and maybe they keep Adam Fox, but then everybody else has to go. But I also don't think it's going to take, take that much to get Eichel, as we've talked about talked about before but the mcdavid thing yeah. i don't know what the price is i have no i how do you even even trade a, a, a player of that caliber you you can't that's that's the thing it, that's connor mcdavid is on a tier that is untradeable just because there is no package of player that makes it worth it for either team like would the boston bruins trade pasternak and bergeron for mcdavid probably not but that's what they should trade for mcdavid it, it's it's the level of stardom that you can't actually trade for in professional sports. It is rarefied air. But again, if Eichel's Messier and McDavid is Gretzky, I'm fine with Gretzky going back to the Kings, and I'm fine with the Rangers getting Messier and winning their cup. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I, a cup is all I really care about. Connor McDavid could be here or not. It's, uh, we'll, we'll see that situation. Otherwise, in the playoffs, other news, Tom Wilson suspended, finally. That's great. Oh, so, yeah. Didn't make it to the second round. God bless him. Uh, Capitals went out sad. Do you think the Capitals needed more toughness, grit, and grind in their game? You know, I thought about it. Did I, you? <laughs> boy, they just – there weren't enough players on that team protecting Garnett Hathaway. That, that was my <laughs> takeaway. You know what my takeaway is? Turns out, Barry Trotz, good coach. Yeah. Go figure, huh? Yeah. I wow, saw... the Capitals haven't won a playoff series since they fired the guy that delivered them a Stanley Cup. Let him go. Didn't pay him, uh, unfortunately. But That's just so Did ridiculous. you see that video that today? They didn't of... want to pay the head coach. I know. The Game 7, it was uh, Barry Trotz before Game 7 with Tampa Bay and the Capitals. Yeah, he did the hot lap. Yeah. He's doing the hot lap. So, like, Trotz, man, he's the best. Uh, he's the best. I, I, I do think that Penguins-Islanders game, that series goes 7. Uh, I is... will say this. I had, I had this realization the other day. Um... I, I had it while I was watching Leafs Canadians and I was surprised. I don't know if I was surprised that the thought came to my mind or if it was just a confirmation of something I've always kind of deep down felt 
but it just became internalized watching that game. Every NHL head coach, even the great ones like Barry Trotz, they're all idiots. All of them have <laughs> all of them have an obvious flaw. This this came to me as I was watching the Leafs, a team drunk on talent, running out Wayne Simmons on the power play, as if that's supposed to do something. And I'm watching, I'm like, boy, I have such a high opinion of Sheldon Keefe. And this is what he's fucking doing. And then I think about Barry Barry Trotz and all the great stuff that Barry Trotz does. And I'm like, man, that's a dude who just loves Leo Komarov when you just shouldn't. And I I think I think every fan base just hates every coach because every coach is an idiot. Doesn't matter how great they are. You'll find something to hate. Gerard Gallant's gonna come in here, Mr. I can't beat Latvia. And all of a sudden Range fans are gonna find a new thing to complain about. It, it's we all just want to bitch and moan. That's all we want to do. That's true. That's it. That's true. We, let's talk about Gallant real quick, right? I mean, oh. I mean, we'll have to. Let's do it very quickly. It doesn't matter, everybody. Let's not freak out. the The world has been a mess for everybody. What did Canada lose, and uh, the United States also lost? Like nothing really matters. Chris, are Jury, you telling me a United States hockey team that is featuring Kevin Rooney, Colin Blackwell, Colin Blackwell might Zach be the best Jones. player on that team. <laughs> like it, it, uh, you put some respect on the name of Adam Clendenning, sir. Uh, uh, I won't. <laughs> I won't. He scored a goal the other night. All right. Well, good for Adam. I'm happy he's still playing hockey at a, at a high level. Good for him. Well, do we want to call this year's world's a high level? No, but you. I wasn't talking about his level of play. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, that man. That man loves pizza. Let yeah, I love the good pizza, Adam. So there we go. Uh, other than now, that, do you think do you think that was a habit of his before or after he met Kevin Hayes? Oh, you know, I, I think it upped his game. Like you know, like when you, you you meet a good coach like Barry Trotz and you just go to the next level. That's kind of what yeah. Kevin does. So you're saying Kevin Hayes raised him to another level? That's it. Yep. Gotcha. Gotcha. Welcome to the off season, everybody. <laughs> We're gonna have Vince. Do you Mar- think Vince Mercogliano on today? By the way, very fun. Mm, I think Jay, is Jay Franco canceled now? I don't know if we could do this anymore. It's like a. I, I assume so, but yeah. let's let's live in a moment where we're recasting Pineapple Express, and you need to okay have someone play. Uh, Seth Rogen is definitely Kevin Hayes, definitely. So, I just want again Pineapple Express, really troublesome movie when you remember that Seth Rogen <laughs> yes. high school student. Yes, <laughs> it's oh, like the uh, sixth most troubling thing about that movie too. How the you know, years have passed. Fucking weird movie. Yeah, very strange. It got made. Insane. A lot yeah, of two thousand seven. Oh. What a time. A lot of those mid two thousand movies, man. Wild to rewatch them. I have have not aged great. No, really, really have not. Dude, I watched Community. Like the first Community, the first three seasons are amazing. They're like incredible all timer TV. As I'm watching some of it, I was like, oh my god, (laughs) this was acceptable. This was 2011. What the fuck? That's crazy. I mean, as much as I love a movie like The Hangover, and as much as that movie really tickled me when it first came out. That's another one. Really, really tough time going back and rewatching. Insane, insane. Uh, anyway, the, anyway, you were trying to make a point about Gerard Gallant. Oh yes, Gallant. Uh, don't freak out. It's totally fine. I, I, there's no reason to overreact to the Gallant thing. Even Larry Brooks won't write an article about if Gallant is the right coach after Worlds. Well, how can he? We got we got to talk Nazim Kadri first and foremost. The Kadri article was good, actually. I mean, he made some some good points, but he only really wrote that article because Kadri got suspended, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it wasn't that, that... That was a New York Post headline where you have to click to find out the real story. As is tradition. What do you mean? 
Yeah, it's Larry King. It's Larry, Larry King. King. Larry, Larry King live. RIP to a legend. It's Larry Brooks. You're going to click it no matter what. Larry Click live. Um, yeah, for sure. You don't just you don't just call him. We don't just call him the Click King. I do like because it's a community name. For I him. do like the hour that our article gets released is Larry Click live. I'm a big fan of that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, the Kadri thing. It's everybody. It, it, it's a different version of Tom Wilson where it's not that Kadri is a bad player. And it's not like the Leafs traded Kadri because he's a bad player. No, they did. The Leafs traded Kadri because they couldn't trust him to not do something stupid in the playoffs, which would then hurt the Leafs' ability to win in the playoffs. And then he did. That's the only, Yeah, and then he did. And then he, he not only did he do it for the Leafs, he's now done it for the Avalanche. Now, the Avalanche might be good enough where they don't need him, but there are very few teams that are good enough where you can live without an impact player like Nazem Kadri and the Rangers. Yeah. Would he add a certain level of uh, pain in the ass to Oompa. line up? Absolutely. Oompa. Absolutely. Absolutely. But would the Rangers be able to trust Nazem Kadri to reel it in when he's got to reel it in? No, that's the problem. These guys, it, it, it's fine to target guys that can both play and be a pain in the ass, but they have to actually be able to control it every now and then. And if Kadri's not in your line, if, if Kadri does one thing in a game two, like he did in this series, and then he's not in your lineup anymore, then what's the point of having Nazem Kadri? I know. I was surprised. I mean, you you have to win in the playoffs. You can't just take a game off or try and, you know, make the, the make Avalanche the odds were not going to intentionally yes. lose a game to the Blues to shave a game off Kadri. Right, and, and he is appealing uh, the suspension right now. So we'll see exactly what happens with that. But it's with Gary Bettman. So it's not like that's going to go well for him. <laughs> I don't I don't see. I don't know. Player safety is, a, is an absolute nightmare. Uh, I think it's been 16 minutes of this podcast, and the Tampa Bay Lightning are cheating, Gregory. Oh, my God, are they ever. I know. I'm uh, just, just tired of their shit. I it, want more it, of this Florida series, unfortunately. Uh, the Florida can't figure out goaltending, speaking of uh, nonsense in the playoffs. It is unbelievable that they signed Spencer Knight, and then they gave Bob, like, all the money on earth immediately well, they, they, yeah first of all you should never use top 15 draft picks on goalies i feel like that's rule number one but rule number two is if you do use the top 15 pick on a goalie don't three days later give a seven-year deal out to a free agent goalie i know well night's gonna start tonight doing? it seems like at least as we're recording this the, the series might be over by now and tampa might have won they likely did as they cheated to get there kucherov had like 17 points the other day on accident Seems very healthy, Man. by the way. Boy, that rust. Yeah. Incredible how it just dropped off his body. Dropped right off. Uh, you know, the, he's only been good for a month, Greg. That's it. <laughs> uh, it's like I, I tweeted out last night, like, uh, bro, someone has to get McDavid out of Edmonton. And then I made sure to say, fuck off, Tampa, not you. Yeah, because uh, they'll do it. They'll do someone, it. Very smart, someone very smart in their replies was like, yeah, but Tampa's the only team that has the money to do it. And it just, it made, like, it was, oh, that's such, such a, a good perfect response. response. God it's damn it. It's such a good response because it makes my blood boil and also cracks me up at the damn. same time. That's a number one chirp for sure. That is, that is a top, top 20 chirp for yeah. sure. That uh, is, that Rick, right there is good. Other good than that, shit. with Ranger news, like, very limited, quiet, almost too quiet. Like, you know, you know, it's bad when Larry's writing about Kadri. That's really listen. All, all I'm going to say is New York Ranger fans is a really good thing. The Nashville Predators have won a couple overtime games in this series. All I'm saying, all yeah, I'm saying, that's very important. I mean, continue continue that up, and you know, 
Yeah, also, that... very another another interesting NHL playoff note here, Ryan. Mm-hmm. Very interesting how everyone, when the Rangers criticized Department of Player Safety, everyone said, "Well, we're standing solidarity." Now it does seem like every team is a little bitchy about officiating and Department of Player Safety. Bill Armstrong's chirping, John Cooper's chirping, Rod Brindamore's chirping. All of a sudden, Ryan, all I'm saying is the New York Rangers might have had a point, but nobody wanted to say anything because that's not the hockey way. And then all of a sudden, these games mean a little bit more because we're in the playoffs. And maybe James Dolan was on to something. The well, schmucks. I mean, don't you know that uh, actually it brought the NHL together and everyone sang Kumbaya and held hands in a circle around a fire when James Dolan put that statement out? Because, well, uh, it actually made us support the, our supreme leaders even more. Like, you don't get it, Gregory. It was a good thing. <laughs> it united the NHL for the first time in forever. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Unbelievable. Where, where do you think Gorton ends up, by the way? Do you think he signs this year as a GM? Um, it takes a year off. Tries to figure it all out. Wait till someone else falls I down. I I just I don't know. It's tough because not a lot of teams have openings. I like know. if someone, if someone would have to fire somebody, and then, like, are the Sabers going to fire Kevin Adams? I mean, they should. It but seems they like they're not going to. From if all... Jim Benning can still have a job, oh then my goodness, anything is possible. Like How is, do they tell are him? The, are the Oilers going to fire Ken? Are the Oilers going to fire Ken Holland? I don't think so. Well, then, then McDavid's never coming to the Rangers. Uh, so there you go. Again, if all McDavid has to do is say, I am done Wherever with this. Wherever that may be. The magic words, baby. That's it. <laughs> go from there. All right. Uh, other than that, literally nothing else going on. There is some rumors about fourth liners. There's definitely uh, – trade stuff here and there. I think Zach Jones played pretty well in the, in the world. I don't know if that matters. I saw Zach Jones play. He seemed okay. You can't, you can't, you can't on one hand tell me that I can't take anything away from Gerard Gallant losing 2-0 to Latvia. Fair. And then on the other hand, say that I need to take something away from Zach Jones's. No, you don't need to. Colin Blackwell looked exactly like Colin Blackwell all the whole entire year, pretty much, which was scoring goals. He had a nice nice play from what I saw. Congratulations, Colin. Oh, I think that's it. Anything else you want to talk about, chip chat about before we get to Vincent? No. Any other? We'll save the Knicks. We'll save the Knicks for after. Oh boy. I got five minutes on the Knicks. Let's do it. (laughs) You you got five minutes on the Knicks? Yeah. It's yeah. I Knicks and six. I I still feel it. I'm 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 okay after game. It is so hard. We're gonna have Vincent in a second. We'll get back back to Rangers, everybody. Not not that we're talking a lot of Rangers anyway with the playoffs going on. Uh, It is so hard to watch Trey play. It is. Well, I know it's you. It's, he's unwatchable. I know you tweeted about it, but the James Harden ask like draw the fouls, certain hit moves, the the snarl. The, he's just so unlikable. It's insane. I, I I don't see Randall playing the same way he did, where he just forced it the entire night again uh, in game two. And I'm hoping. I, I still think they can. They can. I think the Knicks can go four in a row here. I really do. I thought they were the better team most of the night. Yeah, I. Trey Young plays an unentertaining style of basketball. It, it's it it's not just that the Knicks were involved in this game. It is like if they if the Hawks were playing anybody, I would have the exact same thought. Especially since this was coming off a night where Dame Lillard, I think for me, is the clear not he's not the second best player in the NBA. But after Steph Curry, there's nobody I enjoy watching more than Dame Love Lillard. Love watching Dame. I, he's he's incredible. 
So you get that absolute bonkers performance he had against the Nuggets. And then you have to sit down and watch Trey fucking Young. And you added you add in the wrinkle that all the Hawks had to do was not trade Luka Doncic. That's it. That's all they had to do. They had him. They drafted him. Didn't have to do with the trade. The Doncic falling in the trade is one of the most weird and... Like, you know, we're both not giant NBA guys. I listen to or I used to listen to a lot of NBA podcasts. And, I mean, Kevin O'Connor, who was the ringer, had Doncic won by, like, miles. He was like, no, this is, like, an all-star. He should go one. It's not even close. And then for them to trade him to the Mavericks just still feels weird. And he's unbelievable. He's definitely a top-ten player for me to watch, too. And the highlights for Luka are ridiculous. Yeah, I... Nothing. New York doesn't rise to the Madison Square Garden doesn't rise to the occasion unless it has a true villain to root against. And if Trey Young wanted to be the villain, buddy, congratulations. I think you're going to learn a very hard lesson about what it's like to be a villain inside Madison Square Garden. It usually doesn't go well. Like MJ was never a villain. No, he was always kind of respected. He's always a superhero, uh, bro. You hated his Le- guts, but he is a superhero. LeBron always respected. Steph always respected. Kobe. Always respected. Yeah, top of the now, list. it also helps that those guys were usually playing in a generation where the Knicks weren't good. Mm-hmm. But few players, like Reggie Miller became the villain, and it worked once. Didn't work very, very often after that, though. And it, it's, boy, you just don't become the villain in Madison Square Garden. It has a way of kicking your ass. Yeah, I That's wish nothing but the worst say. for Trey. Uh, I'm he has definitely proved me wrong. He's become a better player than I thought he would be. The foul, the foul and the floppings, though, it's just an unwatchable style of basketball. It is not entertaining. If he wants to try and mimic Steph Curry and go 8 of 31 from the three-point line, go for it, buddy. I don't care. But it, 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 that, like, that wasn't a foul on R.J. Barrett. I don't know how many times I know. you can show me the replay. It's just not a foul. I know. It was unbelievable. And then to have – him hit the floater at like the last second where the pick and roll defense was just truly miserable all night for the Knicks. And that's what they have to figure out. Having Frank out there at the last second, I'm not really sure I love either, to be honest with you. Didn't seem like he was playing a lot that game. So, well, that's a, that there. See, this is a point I've brought up on this show as well. Even coaches that have near unanimous approval ratings no, right, everyone don't always Tibbs. necessarily do the right thing. Right Because everybody loves Tibbs, but also everyone understands that, one, Alfred Payton shouldn't play a single damn minute in this series, and yet not only is he going to play some minutes, he's going to keep starting. Mm-hmm. And then, two, I, I, I'm just confused as to you trust Frank enough to put him out there in situations where you absolutely need a stop, yet you don't trust him enough to put him out there for longer stretches where you can get multiple stops? Question mark? Doesn't make a lot of sense. All right. Well, let's go next. Let's see if they can uh, pull it off on Wednesday, and uh, we'll go from there. Let's go to our interview with uh, Vincent Mercagliano, and we'll be back to answer some Discord Patreon questions and all that good stuff after the interview. Transition. Hey, we're back with our guest of the day, my arch rival and friend of the show, Vincent Mercagliano. Vincent, a new dad. I should have put that in there. Vince, how are you? I'm doing well, guys. I'm, you know, hanging in there, trying to catch up on sleep here and there when I can. But for the most part, back in the groove until next week, at least when I go back on paternity leave. But back worrying about the Rangers for the most part while also holding a baby for, you know, half the day. Was it- Vince, we, we, we haven't been able to say it officially, so we'll say it officially. Hey, man, 
Congrats on the sex. Congrats, That's good Vince. work by Congrats. you. Congrats. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You guys are you guys are only the uh, the 800th people to make that. Yeah, everybody on Twitter at the same time, like literally day <laughs> yeah, of yeah. Uh, when you posted, like you're gonna be a dad. Yeah, um, it was one time, you know, one time, and it worked out. That's it. Well, so. One thousand batting a thousand. Congrats, Vince. Hey, man. Good, uh, yeah, good, yeah. good swimmers. Good stock. You you did well. It's good. Good. Yeah, I thought of the. Uh, <laughs> There's I don't a know lot if of bad Seinfeld, but I, I I don't know if you guys watched Seinfeld, but I kept thinking of the episode where George Costanza is yelling, "My boys can swim." <laughs> <laughs> what was it like as Chris, Chris Jury's first act as GM and president of the New York Rangers was to ask how your child was? Yeah, I told him afterwards that I he earned a lot of brownie points with my fiance that day. I don't know if he was trying to kiss up or what it was, but that was that was unexpected and appreciated. Really, really worked out. Uh, there is a lot going on this summer for the New York Rangers, as you probably know. There's a lot of big trade targets. There's a lot of talk about grit and toughness. There may be a conversation that we need to have about Connor McDavid. Uh, can you talk a little bit about, just in general, what you think the organizational mindset is going into this offseason of what their needs are and what they're looking to address to, uh, top of everything? Well, I don't know if you guys have heard, but mm-hmm. I think what – a lot of us thought about the team has changed a lot in the last few weeks. Yeah. Uh, there's been a little bit of, uh, there's been a little bit of change in terms of the people that are running the team now. Um, so that to me, well, first off, I'm sure you guys know this and then many people probably told you this, but I was totally caught off guard. Had Quinn been fired, I did not think it was going to happen. I, I felt pretty strongly from my conversations with people who knew what JD and Jeff Gordon were thinking that Quinn was pretty safe and was probably going to be back next season. But had it just been the coaching change, maybe I wouldn't have been totally shocked. But the fact that everybody was let go was like way out of left field. Uh, That completely caught caught me off guard. And obviously it sends a clear signal that like the urgency is going to be ramped up. I I think even before that had happened, we always felt like the 21-22 season was really when we looked at their window to contend opening up. We knew they were going to have a lot of cap space going into this summer. The, the buyouts from guys like Shattenkirk and Lundquist, that those penalties were going down significantly. So we knew that we thought Jeff Gordon would have some money to play with. Now it'll be Chris Drury. But I always felt like this was going to be a summer of action for them. But now I feel even more strongly about that. And, and the vibes that I've been getting from talking to the people who remain in the organization right now is that they have kind of come to the conclusion that they're happy with a lot of the young talent they've accumulated. They feel like they have a lot of different assets. And we know, I think I've talked to you guys about this before, that a lot of these young players they have long-term, they can't fit them all in the lineup. So at some point, you're probably going to have to sell some of them off. So the feeling that I'm getting is that they want to change the dynamic of the lineup. They're gonna, I mean, that doesn't mean they're going to make wholesale changes and like half the guys in the team are gone. But I think what you're going to see is at least one or two players' names that fans have maybe grown to like over the years or have high hopes for. You could see one or two of those players move this summer aimed at bringing in guys that will impact the lineup, specifically impact the top six. Whether it's a center or don't even be surprised if it's a winger, as long as it's somebody who brings more of the 200-foot game and the edge and the grit and all these you know words that you hear people talking about recently. But I, I do feel like you're going to see the Rangers go after a center and probably a winger. And I'm talking like top nine type guys. And they are going to look to, to really fortify this lineup and put them in a position to contend moving forward. So I definitely, there's a lot of possibilities out there. And what I've been told is don't get too focused on one name. Like I know 
People want to talk about Jack Eichel a lot. But I think the Rangers are going to explore a lot of different options, and I think that they plan to be aggressive. That That is definitely the sense that I'm getting right now. Well, I, I think you thought we were kidding when we said the name Connor McDavid. I got news for you. We're really not. All we need is one is a Neil Pionk hat trick in game four. And I think it's totally possible. Uh, but Vince, I do want to focus in on one thing you said, because anytime you mention the name of, or you didn't mention a name, I should make perfectly clear, but you did say a, pl- you shouldn't be surprised if the Rangers move a player that fans have grown to like over the years. And I, my mind is just trained to understand that talk as Pavel Buchnevich because it, it, it just feels like they're, they, this is the critical offseason for Buchnevich. And it's either he's going to be a Ranger for a long time or he's not going to be a Ranger. And if you had to guess today, May 25th, 24th, year of our Lord 2021, do you think Pavel Buchnevich is a long-term New York Ranger? Well, here's the thing. He's a really complicated case because when you talk about the fact that you want the Rangers to have a more well-rounded game, Buchnevich, you could argue, was maybe their best two-way forward this year. He was probably their best penalty killer. He's gotten much better defensively, and his point production keeps going up every year. I mean, he was almost at a point per game. So he's a really valuable piece that I do believe that they want to keep. But the thing is, If you're talking about bringing in somebody, whoever it might be, that's going to add salary to the books, and then you also have to think long-term about, are you extending Mika Zibanejad? What kind of contract are you giving Adam Fox? What happens when Kako and Lafreniere and all these other guys are due for new contracts? Can you afford to pay a guy like Booch five or six million a year on top of all these other guys you're going to have to pay? So. While on one hand, I think the Rangers would like to keep him. They see him as a very valuable piece of the lineup, and he does bring that two-way game that they want more of. On the other hand, it's like, okay, if you're, if you're prioritizing guys and who you're going to pay in the long run, where does he fit into that? So for me, he's kind of a 50-50 guy right now. I, I definitely think that – well, obviously they're going to extend a qualifying offer to him, but I definitely think that the plan is going to be to try to keep him but I also think that he's a guy that in trade conversations, they'd be willing to consider and discuss. Well, this, I mean, this brings us right to Mika Zibanejad, who plays on the line with uh, Buchnevich. And one thing I keep saying over and over again, at least I have for the past couple of weeks, is that I, I don't think it's about trading Mika or making sure that Mika isn't on this team. I think it's about trying to sign Mika for a reasonable contract, which I, I, I guess I'll even ask you, what do you think that contract is? But it's to bring someone in that he, so Mika can either be a, a, a low-end 1C or a extremely high-end 2C, which gives you the 1-2 punch, which the Rangers would need to go uh, on a deep playoff run with. That that's It's not really about trading for one person to get rid of Mika. It's about having Mika and giving him something to work with as a second center or first center with him. Ryan, have you been reading my columns? Uh, I subscribe, you know. Uh, good. I'm just here to help. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I... I wrote that. I mean, I don't know if you read it or not. I legitimately I wrote, I did read it, but I, I said it before you did, so I thought you were getting my texts again. So I thought it was weird you were publishing my texts in your articles. So, you know. Oh, I see. I see. <laughs> I see. Well, I absolutely I, – I tend to agree with – I don't agree with you on everything, but I agree with you on that. Like, I don't see the point of trading – first off, he has a no-movement clause. So right. I, I don't he's – not, he's not getting traded, traded regardless. But I don't see the point of moving on from him to then just – add somebody else and create another hole. Like the whole point is that 
long term, the, the best way for them to maximize the potential of this roster is to get another top six center who can complement him, whether it's a first line guy, second line guy. You know, we've seen that the Rangers basically have, you know, their top two lines are 1A and 1B because one has Panarin and one has Sabinajad. So for me, long term, if you really want to take the next step, you got to find another guy who can, who can play in that top six. Now, with that said, Ryan Strom has exceeded expectations. A lot of people thought he was going to be a one-year wonder. He was, in some ways, I think, even better this year than he was the year before. But he's only got one more year left on his deal. And you're still not quite sure if Philip Heedle is going to be a 2C in the long run. I think the Rangers would feel comfortable with him as a third-line guy. But there are also questions about will he have to move to wing eventually. His faceoff percentage is really bad. Some, some people believe he's better off on the wing in the long run. So they, they're going to want to add a center, and I believe that's going to be at the top of their wish list this offseason. But I, I don't think that there's any conversations they're having right now about getting rid of Mika. I think the whole point of the conversation is making the lineup deeper by adding another guy on top of having Mika. And then as far as what the extension looks like, I mean, you know, if, you, if you're thinking about a possible hometown-ish discount, He's expressed his desire to be here. I've heard people who are optimistic that it might be around eight million a year. Oh, and then, if you're talking about a guy, if, if you're talking about going to unrestricted free agency, you know he's a guy that maybe could push ten million a year. So I think you're looking in that eight to ten range. The, the average, the median, is probably going to be around nine. Vince, I, I get I get tired of this conversation because I get tired of people arguing about fringe roster players of who the Rangers may or may not actually protect in the expansion draft. But my question Mm. to you is it's very clear that the Rangers have the ability to go out, acquire a defenseman that they can protect that another team can. Can you see a scenario in which the Rangers, before they address whatever they want to address down the middle, before they address whatever they want to address in the top six, can you see them trading for a defenseman that might otherwise be exposed in this year's expansion draft before July 28th. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense because otherwise you're protecting Libor Hayek, and I think everybody at this point probably knows that Libor Hayek is not going to have a spot on any of your three pairs moving forward with all the young defensemen the Rangers have coming. So if they can pull something like that off, I think it makes a lot of sense. I I think that you're probably thinking along the same lines there as, as people within the organization. So... It definitely makes sense. I can't give you a name. Like I don't. I haven't heard of anybody specifically that they're targeting. I think you might have to see how these playoffs play out, and you know what kind of shape teams are in from from that point. But it definitely makes a lot of sense because otherwise you're protecting a guy who you know really doesn't have a long term role in your organization. So, we, I will also say this though. For me, I don't. I've heard a lot of people say the Rangers need to add a veteran defenseman this this offseason. I think they will. But I think it's probably going to be more of a low-level guy. I don't think they're looking at it like they need to add a top-four guy. I think they feel like their top-four, if they roll into next year with Fox, Lindgren, Miller, and Truba as their top-four, and then for the bottom pair, you're going to have a host of young guys competing for spots. Niels Lundqvist, Braden Schneider, Matthew Robertson, Zach Jones. It's a long list right now. So I don't really think that they need to, like, go get a guy who's going to be a fixture in their top four for the next three or four years. I think they're more going to look for a guy who can add some depth, bring some veteran presence, 
bring some physicality and some edge and a defensive mindset, but it doesn't have to be a high priced kind of guy. So if they can acquire someone like that in a trade, I think it makes a ton of sense to go for it. I just think right now they're kind of letting the process play out. Everything I've heard about Chris Drury so far is meticulous. He's going to explore a lot of different options, but he's not going to make rash decisions. And I think that he's going to want to lay a lot of different things out this offseason before making any final decisions. And, and right now, with so many teams still playing, I think there's a lot of stuff that's still up in the air. For sure. There's definitely a lot up in the air. But one thing I think that's not really up in the air at all, and I'm interested to hear your opinion on this, is I don't think there's really a chance the Rangers make their first-round draft pick this year. When exploring all these different options you're talking about and trying to bring someone in, I mean, I guess there's a chance they might want to trade the 2022 or 2023 pick, but I don't really see that happening. I I think people like to make their own players. People have asked me a lot, like, who do you see the Rangers drafting in the first round? My answer is almost always I don't see them drafting somebody, and if they did, maybe if Atirati was still there, projected number one overall pick over a year ago, that might be who they would target. Uh, Do you think they actually make this first overall pick? I mean, not first overall. They're not going to win the lottery again, are they, Vince? Uh, Their first round pick. (laughs) There's, it's definitely a possibility that the pick is traded. It's, it, it's all about is there a player that they covet who's available in a trade, and if that's the case, I think they're absolutely willing to part with the pick given the fact that they've made eight picks in the previous four years, that they have plenty of talent in the prospect pool right now, so it's, it's not a necessity that they use that pick. But I also don't think they're going to trade it just to trade it. it. It has to be a guy that they want. It has to be a guy that they feel like can probably be a top six forward for them, I think, would be the target. So we, we've talked about the center possibility. Mm-hmm. I think it, it, if that player comes into focus for them, they absolutely are willing to use that pick. And, and I wrote about this recently, too. I think they're willing to use that first-round pick, and then I think you're looking at a pool of forwards and a pool of defensemen, guys that they're also, in the right trade, probably going to be talking about. Greg mentioned Buchnevich as one of the forwards. Ryan Strom, although I don't know what his trade value would be, but I think coming off another good season, it's better than what his trade value was last offseason. Younger guys, I think Philip Hedo could be a guy in jeopardy. I think Vitaly Kratsov could be a guy who's in jeopardy. And then in, in the defensemen, we just touched on that host of young defensemen. They're not going to have spots for all of them. Lundqvist, Schneider, Robertson, Jones. I think there's a very good possibility that you see one of those guys traded. So you could see a package where the Rangers – put their first round pick in and then maybe take one of those forwards, take one of those defensemen, a combination, whatever it may be, depending on, you know, how good the player is they're acquiring. But I think you're looking at those are the guys that are probably going to be talked about in these trade packages. It's just a matter of can Drury shake free a guy that he really covets. Vince, do you think the team is prioritizing signing Niels Lundqvist to an entry-level contract before doing much other business this offseason because – they're worried his trade value will be lower if he's not under contract? Yeah, that's going to happen. That's absolutely going to happen. Actually, the last conversation that I had with Chris Drury before the chaos ensued and he got promoted was about Nils Lundqvist, and he said, yes, absolutely, our plan is to get him signed probably after the World Championship. So I would anticipate that happening probably sometime in June, and he told me that the goal was to have him in camp for training camp now obviously if a trade happens he won't be in camp with the rangers but they want him if he's still around which presumably he will be and and i can also tell you this that if you're ranking those prospects that we're talking about they feel like he's the most advanced of them right now so so you know do with that with what you will but 
the goal is to have him in camp competing for a lineup spot. And I think if he's with the Rangers come September, October, he would be one of the front runners to, to earn a bottom pair role going into the new season. Obviously, uh, Georgiev is, or Georgiev, I always pronounce his name correctly, as is tradition for Ryan Mead, uh, <laughs> is, is still on the team that I think they might explore. They're the, uh, maybe trading him this offseason. Can you see a scenario where uh, Ranger fan fiction comes to life and Henrik Lundqvist returns to the New York Rangers? Uh, I don't know. That feels like kind of a long shot to me. You know, because that, that just, I think, is putting Igor in a little bit of a delicate spot. Like last year, it felt really touchy with this dynamic of Hank not playing a lot and it created a little bit of awkwardness in the locker room. So I don't know if they want to go down that road again. I haven't heard beyond Twitter rumors. I haven't heard anything about that being a possibility. I I do think that the confidence level in Georgiev is dropped down a notch or two from where it was at this time last year. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Rangers looked into moving him in one way or another, but I, I, I don't, I mean, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but I haven't heard anything about that. And it just seems like a situation where, you know, it would be nice to see him retire in New York. It would be nice to see the New York crowd be able to send him out the right way. Like that would be really cool and nostalgic, but I just don't know if that's a situation that the Rangers would want to put Igor in for a full season with Hank looking over his shoulder again. Yeah, that, that's why I want my client Keith Kincaid to be the backup. I mean, I well, like listen, a- Kincaid, Kincaid did a good job this year, and, and he's, you know, he's, I, I like that he's active on Twitter. He, he seems like a pretty cool guy. I mean, I didn't get to meet him in person yet. It's only been through Zoom, but, I mean, I'd, I'd be cool with it, but I, I don't, you know, the Rangers have him under contract for one more year, but I also wouldn't be shocked if they go in with the status quo and Georgiev is back and he's, he's kind of the backup for next year. I, I, he, is a, he is a pricey backup. I think if the Rangers knew – now knew back then what they know now they probably wouldn't have given him close to two and a half million per season but you know it is what it is at this point they, 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 they should have known which is yeah they should last year he led the team in starts and he had some spurts where he was like their go-to guy so this year he had that mid-season kind of collapse when Igor was hurt and he had those back-to-back starts where he couldn't even make it out of the second period and he just looked like look, he was lost. Now, with that said, he finished okay. Like if you look at his numbers, they ended I think his save percentage ended up like 906 and he had some decent starts at the end of the season. So, you know, maybe what we saw in the middle of the season was a blip on the radar, but at least for me, you know, I felt like my confidence got shook in him a little bit based on, on when they needed him to step up when Igor was hurt, he kind of fell on his face. All, all I'm saying is very rarely are, are the two of us, Ryan and myself, right about something. And we couldn't have been harder on the trade while the value is high train with your back value? in 2019. You know, what, what, what were they going to get round pick? That's the thing. We, we will never know because the NHL it, themselves can never figure out what the hell goalie value is especially on the trade market, right? Like Ben Bishop gets traded for late round draft picks and yet Matt Murray gets traded for premium shit. Yeah. It was just, nobody, nobody knows. So we, we get it. But at the, at the same time, all we're saying is we're just saying, uh, <laughs> great job, Greg. Okay. Uh, um, all right. Vince for, for you, who do you think would be the most surprising name that fans would take a step back and say, come on, the Rangers aren't talking about trading that guy, are they? Well, 
I don't want to break Ryan's heart. Yeah, we knew but... this. I knew where this is going. Greg set this up. Great job, Greg. <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, I do not think that they're trying to trade Capo Caco. Let me say that. And and I think that, you know, people will knock the fact that he didn't have a lot of points this year. But, like, the, the dude was much, much better defensively. He just looked much more comfortable. He looked like he was just more assertive. He had a little bit more speed to his game I thought and just didn't look lost out there like he did a lot of times as a rookie so for me when you look at the total package you look at that and you say okay this is a guy who's playing more confidently in all three zones we know he has the talent we, we see these little spurts where he's set up for a chance or sets up somebody for a chance and he just wasn't finishing them a lot this year so my feeling is the points will come I don't know if he's going to be an all-star caliber player but I do think he's going to be a very good player. So I don't think that they want to trade him by any stretch, but I do think they've reached the point where if somebody they really, really want is available and they have to make a hard choice, he's not viewed as untouchable. So I I, I think that would probably be, I mean, I would be surprised if they trade him, but I also wouldn't be completely shocked if, if it was like a big mega kind of a deal. So I don't know if I can be surprised anymore, Vince. Like, have you lived through 2021 Rangers? Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, exactly. Not really. Nothing would surprise me at this point. Like they're not going to trade Lafreniere. That's pretty clear. They're not going to trade Adam Fox. That's pretty clear. But I think pretty much anybody else they're willing to at least discuss. Totally get it. It's been, uh, I I hope, as you know, uh, they don't trade the Lord and Savior himself. So I would like him to stay if if possible. And I think he can be an all-star. Uh, which I know that's very homerism, but the the steps he took this year I thought were uh, tremendous comparatively to the worst rookie season of all time. So let's see what he can do under a different system. Uh, speaking of yeah, a different you, system, you know, like I was when I was doing my rap, sorry, no, okay. but when I was doing my my wrapping up my end of the season coverage, you know, he finished with the best expected goals against rate per sixty of any player on the team. Whereas last year, I think he was the worst in the league. So like that's a, that's a significant jump. That's a really, really significant jump. And that tells you that, you know, for all the people who knocked David Quinn, Quinn harped on him getting better at that part of his game. And, and it worked because he really committed to that this season and, and, and played all over the ice the way that they were asking him to. Maybe it took away from his points production in some way. Maybe, I don't know if they were, I don't want to, you know, I don't know if I would say they were asking him to do too much defensively, but Maybe that did cost him a few points here and there, definitely but he did. definitely he he definitely did what they were asking him to do, and definitely showed more commitment. Didn't seem tentative; just, just seemed like a much more aggressive player. And, and he, I believe, if you look at his takeaways versus giveaways, there's a big discrepancy there as well. He protected the puck well, he managed the puck, and he took the puck away from opponents at a pretty high rate. So there's a lot to be encouraged about for for sure. But the next step is obviously unlocking that offensive potential because that's the reason they draft. Well, he so has it. I mean, that was like his his go-to stat, or rather his skill, was puck possession and his dangerous shot and possession in front of the net. And he wasn't able to show the, the shot or really the possession in front of the net the last two years. And they asked him to play defense this year. And he did, unlike any other 20-year-old, really. I, there's not many 20-year-olds that can play the way Kapokako did defensively in the NHL with the size, he's only going to get bigger. He's only going to get faster, hopefully. And then from there, I mean, he has to unlock what he got drafted for, which is his shot. And if that's, if you can't do what you were like, the reason you went number two overall, uh, well then we have other, we have bigger problems and then maybe he should be traded, but that I don't believe that to be the case. 
He maybe yeah, what? Trade. What was that you just said? Maybe if you know, maybe he should wow. be traded if if, if you wow. can't unlock Someone's that. Good. Wow! Someone's wow. clipping the wow. shit out of that. I'm telling him you said that, Ryan. God damn uh, it! <laughs> you also look look at the role. Just last thing on this, look at the role that he played, especially like when he did get his opportunity to play in the top six this year. He was on that line with Panarin and Strom, and we know that whoever played on that line, what David Quinn wanted from them to, was to dig pucks out of corners, get to the front of the net, play yep. defense. So asking him to do that stuff, that might not be his game, but what, what he did it pretty well. So, I, again, I think that you, I think for the most part, the Rangers had to walk out of the season feeling encouraged that he did what he was asked to do. He did it much better than he did as a rookie. And now for the next coach, their responsibility, their task is to unlock that offensive potential. Yeah, and I can't end on, on just saying uh, he should be traded. I need to talk more about this. <laughs> the, with the, with Kako in that situation too, like like you said, at 20 years old, there's not a lot of, like, that's a very hard responsibility to have. Usually these players on these teams are the best players. So if you're one or two overall, you're the best player on bad teams. And Lafreniere and Kako haven't been able, they haven't been asked to carry. They've been asked to give the puck to Panarin or Mika Zibinijad and have them figure it out. Go do the dirty work. And they're not getting the spectacular spotlight shots that they would normally get, which is why they, their point productions are, are lower than you would expect them to be because, well, the puck is going two places because of Benajad and Artemi Panarin. And I, I fully expect both those players, Lafreniere and Kako, to take offensively offensive step forwards under the next coach, whoever that may be, of which I will now ask you, how is the well, coaching I, search going? I, yeah, I would, I'll, I'll, I'll ask it more pointedly than Ryan just did there. Uh, Vince, what will your first question be to Gerard Gallant at his <laughs> introductory press conference? Uh, I, I guess I'll ask him, uh, is it important for him for all of his players to have good intentions? Oh, man. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm joking. Uh, I, 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 I've, I've seen that get a lot of play over the last couple of years. Uh, well, as far as the status of the coaching search, I'll say this. Don't expect anything anytime soon. I think this is going to require some patience. I, I, I think you guys mentioned it before. I'm going to obviously mention it on my podcast this week as well, but I'm going back on paternity leave next week, and all signals to me are that there will not be a new coach before I go back on paternity leave. I think that everything that I'm hearing about the way that Chris Drury is attacking this process is – Going back to that word meticulous, that's a word that comes up a lot with him. He's being very thoughtful. He is being patient. I think he definitely wants to wait for the first round of the playoffs to end to see if there are shakeups anywhere, to see if any other coaches let go that he might be interested in. So It could even go beyond the first round is what I'm hearing. The Rangers have been super tight-lipped about who is getting interviewed. As far as we know, the only interviews so far have been Gallant and Tockett. I knew early on I had heard that those guys were near the top of the list of available guys that Drury was interested in. And I think a lot of people, because Gallant got the first interview, felt like, oh, he's got to be the front runner. I don't think the Rangers are like head over heels in love with him. I think he is one of the leading candidates, but from what I've been hearing, you know, he's over coaching Team Canada in the World Championships right now, and the Rangers don't feel like if he is going to be their guy that there's any big rush to make that official right now. I think they want to let the process play out. I think they want to see if anybody else shakes loose. I don't know 
I mean, I know like the dream candidate, I, I mentioned this on my show last week, would be Rod Brindamore. Everything that I've heard is that he's not going anywhere. I, I don't think that that's a realistic possibility. If it was, he's got to be your top priority. Throw whatever kind of money you need to throw at him. He would be the guy for me for sure. I, I don't know in terms of the other coaches. I've heard Mike Sullivan. I've heard a couple other names you know, of guys that are currently coaching in the playoffs that if they were to get fired, the jury might want to talk to. Uh, but right now, it seems like a really slow-moving process, and I think it's going to be a little while before we have a definite answer. Yeah, I, I said this last week. Uh, Gallant was the first interview because he had to be the first interview since he had exactly. a plane to catch. But exactly. to your to your point and to the point that Ryan and I have continued to say as well, there is a 0.001% chance that Rod Brindamore is going to not be the Carolina Hurricanes head coach next year. But damn right, Chris Jury is going to wait for him to sign that extension. What rush yeah. does Chris Jury have before then? Yeah, I, I don't think the Rangers have the sense that Gallant is imminently about to get hired somewhere else. So to me, I don't want to call him the fallback option, but to me, he feels like kind of the safe option that they feel like they have in their back pocket. And in the meantime... You know, I think they want to buy their time a little bit and see and see how it shakes out. I was actually texting with somebody, a source earlier today and joking about, hey, are you guys going to give me some news before I go on my paternity leave? And uh, I was told it's a pretty safe bet. There won't be any news this week. So, I mean, I might be wrong. Watch, by the time this comes out, there'll be a new head coach and I'll look stupid. But I think that there's a good chance that this lingers for another week or two at least. There, uh, I don't know if you know this, but Chris Knobloch, who coached the Rangers for a couple weeks, he also coached Connor McDavid. Did you know that? Uh, actually, <laughs> I don't know if I did know that. Oh, there you go. Well, I'm just I'm making the recruiting pitch. Is there any chance Chris Knobloch is on the bench this year? With uh, I guess they're going to wait for the whoever they get. If they get Rod, he'll bring his staff, etc. But uh, is there any any thoughts on, on what the future of Knobloch is right now? If he has a shot, if he'll be interviewed at all. Not as a head coach, no. I think the Rangers are just hopeful they can keep him where he is. I think they really like the job he's done in Hartford. Drury thinks highly of him. I know that. He's the one who hired him. So I, I think that with the position they're in, with the pressure being ramped up for the playoffs next year, they don't want to put that on his shoulders right now. I think it's been said a million different ways, but their preference is a guy who's more established, more experienced, uh, whether that's a good thing or not. And there could be an outside-of-the-box candidate. Like, things have been eerily quiet. There could have been a sneaky interview in there with somebody that nobody's talking about, that nobody's aware of. Uh, I've been trying to dig on that a little bit, and I haven't, ha I haven't been able to find much. But I think as far as Knobloch goes, the ideal scenario for Drury is to keep him in Hartford, let him keep kind of steering that ship the way that he's been doing it. They're planning on infusing Hartford with more prospects next year, like Drury had told me previously. We talked about all those defensemen. I think one at most two of those guys makes the NHL roster, and then you're going to have more of them playing in Hartford. You're going to have a guy like Will Cooley, who was their second-round pick last year playing in Hartford. You're going to see a handful of their prospects playing for the Hartford team next year, and I think they'd be really happy if Knobloch was their coach for that. Makes sense. Gregory, anything else for our dear friend? Boy, uh, I, I, I'm trying to think of a, a topic we – haven't covered here and i can't exactly pinpoint one um your thoughts on seeing msg looking and sounding like msg last night vince 
you know, I, I'm visiting my in-laws right now, and we have a newborn baby. So, unfortunately, I kind of wanted to watch the Knicks game. I only caught a few little bits and pieces. I did see some stuff on Twitter, though, of, like, the non-vaccinated sections. And I'll tell you, like, it kind of – it almost gave me chills. Like, it's really, really cool seeing it packed like that. And, and the highlights that I was able to watch, like, it just sounded super, super loud. I wish – we could have experienced that for a Rangers game this year. I was in the building when they slowly started introducing fans. And like, even with those little bit of fans where they were kind of scattered, it felt loud. And it was also kind of funny. Cause like you could hear these little individual conversations going on with yep. people. Or if somebody was, if somebody was heckling somebody, you heard every word that they were saying. So I know the players were hearing all that stuff too, but having that like roar, that, that kind of just in unison sound that you get from the crowd I mean, that, that's something I'm very much looking forward to next year. And obviously, you know, New York is buzzing about the Knicks right now. So, but yeah, I, I didn't, I, I have to confess, I didn't really watch much of the game last night. Was it weird for you when the Jets put on Islander jerseys? Um, no, because I always associate the Jets with Long Island. Like I went to Hofstra and gotcha. when I went to Hofstra, when I went to Hofstra, first off, the Islanders played next door and we used to get a student discount to go to Islanders games and the Jets practiced on Hofstra's campus actually like one of the first things I saw as a freshman was Kevin Mawai the, the, the uh, Hall of Fame center for the Jets riding a bicycle around campus so I always kind of associated the Jets with the Mets and the Islanders even though I grew up as a Jets Yankees fan which is a little bit of a weird combination but I uh, know the, the Jets Islanders things felt pretty natural to me they used to practice right next door that makes sense all right hey, uh, Vince fun fact Hofstra was my clear number two choice for college <laughs> interesting well, yeah, we, were, well we have pro- what, what year did you what year did you graduate 2011 I was 09 so we would have crossed paths a little bit yeah no it was it Hofstra was the only other school besides Marist I even applied to I applied uh, early action so funny. I only Good applied communication to school. Good communication school. I was really, really happy. I went there. I knew I wanted to go into journalism, and that was the reason that I picked it. And I was, I was very happy with the experience I got there. They were great with like helping me get internships, and I had, I had a professor who won a Pulitzer, and I had a lot of really interesting people there. So uh, I, I very much enjoyed my time. This is seriously and my last food. question. Seriously, has yeah. Hofstra ever yeah. asked you to come back and talk? You know what's interesting? I've had people that I know through Hofstra Connections ask me to talk elsewhere, but I don't even know if Hofstra – actually, here's a knock on Hofstra. Well, I don't care really, but I don't, I don't even know if they know like what I do now. So I have ne- they have never – I've spoken at several universities, but Hofstra is not one of them. I tag Maris like every week, like when are you going to have me and Greg come back, and they don't care. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm, you know I, it's, I've, I've gone like, – like, Iona and a couple other local schools have had me come and do stuff a handful of times, How but um, rival. Yeah, they're well, right. they're not really rivals. They're not really rivals with Hofstra. No, they're rivals of Maris. No, no, Iona. Yeah, oh, that's, Maris. A, that's a Metro Atlantic Athletic Conference school. There, the Mac, what baby. Are you doing? A little action. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, Vince, I can't thank you enough for taking some time out uh, from uh, some visiting family and all that stuff and talking to us idiots. Why don't you go ahead and plug everything you do, et cetera. Follow Vince and on USA Today, obviously. Uh, please subscribe to him. Follow his podcast, all that stuff. Follow him on Twitter. Anything I missed? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, if you guys aren't following me on Twitter by now. I, yeah, I, what are you doing? I don't know. I, I don't know what you're doing. But um, <laughs> I, will, I will plug really quick because I'm going back on paternity leave next week. But I've got like four stories coming out before I do that. Uh, one of them, I just got off the phone earlier before I spoke with you guys with Mike Greer, the nice. new advisor that Chris Drury just hired. Uh, so quick little name drop there. 
have a story coming out on him. Interesting guy, uh, very nice guy, very humble. Um, and I also have been working the phones for the last couple of weeks. I have spoken to like seven or eight different people from Chris Drury's past. I'm talking people that he won the Little League World Series with, people he went to high school with, people he went to BU with, people that he played with in the NHL. And so I've got a big profile. I think that's actually going to come out early next week, but I've got a big profile on Drury coming out next week, which is really going to, I think, dive into like, you know, the character of the guy, like what makes him tick, what traits that he has that are going to serve him well in this new job. Uh, and I think I've, I've said this to you guys privately, but the one silver lining, you guys, actually, this is the one thing we didn't talk about, Ryan, because you and I have had this conversation like where I think it was a, a bad move. I Correct. think it was a hasty move. I think it was uh, mm-hmm. reactionary to get rid of JD and Gordon. Um, but the one silver lining is that I think Drury is a smart dude. He is a like super calculated, really going to put like a lot of different processes into place to make the best decisions possible. I think the one silver lining is that he has the potential to be good at this job. I don't know if he will be good at this job, but he has the potential to be good at this job. And so I've got a story coming out soon that'll dive into all that. We'll Vince, I'm, I'm, war- I'm warning you right now. Those Fairfield prep kids, though, they're pieces of shit. Don't trust them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Connecticut. All right. I- I'm going to stay away from that one. Yeah, good good job on that. <laughs> uh, not responding to Reg is my favorite activity. Vince, cannot thank you enough. Uh, we'll follow you on everything. And uh, next time you come on, we'll debate the ins and outs of the JD letting go and all that stuff as we digest through the summer. So uh, farewell, my friend. Sounds good, guys. I'll talk to you soon. Later. And we're back. All right. Great interview with Vince. Once you thank very quickly our Patreon subscribers who make this podcast go before we get to some five-star questions or Patreon Discord questions of the week. Uh, Alex Gardner, Amber, Amber Cohensberger, Ben Waters, Brian Doyle, Broadway Blue Shirt, Bleeder, CJ Stellworth, David Naranen, David Siegel, Dennis Dykes, Eric Stagg, Georgia Brisky, JD, Jimmy Mack, Kako Kako, Praise B, 24, Chris from Florida, Kyle Franklin, Lazik, Ronskonski, he's going to kill me for that one. Matthew Goodwin, Matthew Kahn, ba- Pavel Kodrachev, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get that one eventually. Kondrachev? Yeah, Kondrachev, yeah, nice. Ryan, Stephen Lemayer, uh, Stig Bull <laughs> from also uh, Swingart, Tommy O'Neill, Tori from Manhattan, Vinny Hay, and Will Spector. Thank you so much. Could not do this podcast without you. It means the world to us. Okay, now that we got that out of the way, and uh, we can talk about a little couple, a couple questions here. Um, is there anything that Vince said before we get started that kind of surprised you? I think there was a couple little nuggets, nuggets there. I was uh, the Galant it, thing I, is a little surprising to me. I'll be honest. Why? I told you this last I week. Know, I, it's, I, I, like I, you don't, it's like you really don't want to believe me when I'm onto something. Sometimes I don't believe you. There are things like where you predict the future, where you think a player will come to the Rangers, and then I automatically believe it will happen, as it has been proven to happen. But uh, the Galant thing, I was like, I still think he's the front runner. I still think he ends up being the coach. But the the seeds of doubt. From uh, from our good friend. Yeah, he he's the guy that had to be interviewed first because he's the only guy on a timetable, so he got interviewed first. But to I I there isn't a job in, available in the NHL that is more attractive and lucrative than the New York Rangers. So nobody is going to be hired away from the Rangers. I feel very confident in saying that. So this this coaching search is going to take a long time because the Rangers get to dictate the pace. I. I fully and truly believe that. I think. Couldn't agree more. Not just, yeah. I, I I believed it before Vince said it, and then Vince saying it just kind of reinforced my beliefs. This is from Agar is Tony viewed as such a malcontent league wide that Seattle wouldn't take him in the expansion draft. Yes. Yes. 
Yes, I, there's I, just no reason for Seattle to take him. Tony, they, Tony they know will the sign Rangers with a, are buying. Tony him will up. sign with a team. I believe he will probably end up in Philadelphia. At least that's the rumor that's been going, floating around for like the last month. A hometown reunion. Which, another reason to enjoy Philadelphia. So there you go. Or I, I mean, Montreal was the one team that actually wanted him at the deadline that we know of. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I. There's no chance Seattle will take him in the expansion draft because if they want him, they know he's going to be available for cheaper. Yep. I, I, it's that simple. They can try and have him lure him out with some nice Seattle coffee. Uh, mm. K-Bomb 30, would you rather have Brennan Drury at, uh, to be the GM of the Rangers or Chris Drury be the starting first baseman of the Mets? Chris Drury starting first baseman of the Mets. James McCann is starting tonight. He made a great play. I don't I don't want to hear the slander <laughs> that James McCann. Uh, you, you bet think, against the man every night. What are you talking about? I, th- I, I'm going to surprise you here, Ryan. I'm going to say I'd rather have Brandon Drury be the GM wow. of the New York Rangers because yes. I don't think you have to be that smart to be a good GM in the NHL. Okay. That's so it's fair. a much, it's a much lower bar to clear for Brandon than it is for Chris. This is from our, our dear friend, Eric on the Patreon. You should ask Vince. Uh, we didn't do this, but we can at least talk about it. You should ask Vince who the mystery players in Carp's blogs are. Well, Vince would never tell us, obviously. No, Vince, um, Vince, and... Vince, nor would we ask Vince because it, yep. we don't want But him we can and... tell you. <laughs> oh, we can absolutely tell you. So we're, we, we feel good about player A and player D. Yeah, we feel very right? good about them. And uh, Play- one of them is obviously one you watch on MSG very often. And one of them also used to be on MSG very often. So there you go. Right. Play, uh, play, player A, if we had to guess. Again, these are just guesses. These are just guesses. Our, yeah. Player A, our guess, is Steve Alicat. Yes. Player D, not a guess, known fact, is Ron Duguay. <laughs> it's definitely Ron Duguay. <laughs> I, I, will, I will put my reputation on the line saying player D, 1,000%. Yeah, I, there was some other – we talked about this in the Discord a bit. Um, uh, some people think Shattenkirk is one of them. I think that's a possibility. I, do, the, I think Dave Belosi yeah, could be I, one. Some, some people were opining that they thought one of the – more recent players, I think it was what player E or F or somewhere in that one, um, might have been Brady Shea or Ryan McDonough. I gotta tell you, I would be flabbergasted and stunned if Rick got an active player who is currently in the playoffs to yeah. do a two part interview with him again in the middle of the first round of the playoffs. I, I can't see a scenario in which Brady Shea and Ryan McDonough would have taken any time to answer questions about the New York Rangers while they're trying to prepare in the playoffs. So, if you want to say that it could have been Kevin Shattenkirk. I think that makes a whole heap of sense. It had to have been an active player that had time on his hands. And the guys in the playoffs don't have time on their hands. I just, I, I can't, I can't wrap my mind around one of them being able to do an interview in these circumstances. Could agree more. This is from David. If the organization trades one or more of Booch, Kako, or Crab, and not Heedle for a top center, do you see them moving him to right wing? I do for sure. Yeah, to, again, Vince, Vince brought it up isn't too? the first person. Yeah. yeah, Vince Vince isn't the first person to come on the show and talk about how Heedle might be better suited on the wing long term. It's a possibility. The, the other thing to realize is, again, we don't think Mika Zibanejad's going anywhere. We are pretty confident the New York Rangers want to add a long-term piece in their top six that ideally plays down the middle. So if you think Philip Heedle's got a top six future, more likely than not, it's not going to be a center. I agree. Uh, this is from Vinny Hay. Uh, if the Rangers would be willing to lose four first-round picks by offer sheet, couldn't they start throwing the offers out there for first-round picks as a trade piece for a player they may really want? Yes, but they won't because they know teams will maybe accept less or definitely accept less. But rather. 
Not just that, but again, we, we, we talk about this all the time. The Rangers will offer the equivalent of four first-round picks in some way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. It's just that two, maybe two of those players will be known quantities, like the Schneiders, the Lundquists, the Kravtsovs. Like, these are first-round assets we're talking about, and the Rangers are going to bundle those first-round assets with a 2021 and, pick and maybe beyond from there. And Niels is, is and Kravtsov, too, are – way higher value than just the first round pick in the future way higher right because there's there's there's, there's no higher assets. floor yeah yeah well they're it, it's not even that they're known assets it's that they are less unknown than hmm. the allure of a random first round pick Makes we sense. we've talked about this all the time the, the whole reason why a team should feel comfortable with giving up four first round picks in an offer sheet is because the optimal outcome of one of those four first round draft picks that you're giving up is the player you're signing. Like you would trade four possibilities of someone becoming Braden point for Braden point. That's the whole purpose of this exercise to get the one guy. And it, it it's the thing that frustrates us the most is when NHL teams just either forget this or simply don't know this. And it drives us insane. Yep. Last one from Holmes. Did the Rangers get both Eichel and McDavid this summer or is McDavid more of a summer 2022 move? Uh, again, uh, I just the NHL needs Connor McDavid to fire off the Eric Bledsoe tweet. Yes, he just he I needs to go here. home and just I don't want to be here. He just needs to say it. This league needs the intrigue because we're already losing a little bit of that Jack Eichel luster that we had ten days ago. You know what'll bring that right back? Connor McDavid being like, I am sick and fucking tired of carrying this goddamn dead weight. If I have to look Zach Cassian in the face one more time, I'm going to jump off a bridge. Can you imagine Connor walking into camp next year? Okay, here we go again. <laughs> Same guys again. Uh, maybe maybe it'll be different this time. It'll instead work, of, instead of it'll, Adam Larson, they have Larson Adam. It's never worked for anyone before, but I think it'll work for us. It's, it Maybe it just might work for us. Okay. Uh, if you want to ask a five-star question, leave a five-star review or – Join our Patreon. We have a five-star question channel. We read them on the show. Patreon.com slash Blue Shirts Breakaway. Thank you for listening to the show. You can follow me on Twitter at Orion Media. You can follow Greg at Blue Shirts Break. We will be back with BSBOT on the Patreon, speaking of which, later this week. And if not, we'll be back early next week, Tuesday. I don't know who the guest is going to be. Probably someone fun. And we'll go from there. Love you guys. Bye.